So, uh, welcome back. This is CWP, Cyber Warrior Princess, um, episode 12. That means we've done a full year, back, um, which in terms of our own persistence, I think is um, considerably more than either of us expected would be possible. You know, we're, um, like, we're, a, we're APP, Advanced Persistent Podcasters. Oh, we are. We are. Yes. That's a, that's a great, I think we need to use that. That's a hashtag we're going to claim imminently <laughs> after this, after this podcast has been recorded. Um, and we have an incredibly special guest that yes. I am very excited about, Wait. that you are very excited you, about. But, use the sound. But, use the sound, Vic. Oh, oh, hang on. Wait, I've got, I've got multiple sounds, but we're going to do them all. Hang on. <laughs> right. And when our very, our very, very special secret, but soon to be not so secret guest makes a fantastic joke, you've got to remind me to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if we're really, really lucky, there'll be some scary info sex story and I will be able to initiate, wait for it, the dramatic piano. That just sounds like a bad, like, rom-com. <laughs> I t- oh, it fades out very well. Um, I, I tell you what, in when someone says to me, what does a dramatic piano sound like? <laughs> it's not that. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like... No, I, that does not sound dramatic. I mean, maybe like funeral piano. I would go funeral piano on that one. <laughs> or spa piano. <laughs> Spot. It is. <laughs> oh, it oh, is. oh! Or you could be like my six-year-old. You'll love this, right? So we ended up getting the um, the, the voice assistant. We got the Alexa, and uh, my six-year-old now goes into the the kitchen and goes, "Alexa, play calming music." <laughs> I was like, what? "I was like, what's what's wrong with you?" <laughs> Meanwhile, the two-year-old, all he does all day long is baby shark, baby shark, baby shark. Thank God oh, he can't say Alexa yet or we'd be screwed. <laughs> yes, that's my good. My God. Right. So anyway, you had an insight into um, Becky Pinker's home life there. <laughs> um, and and we're going to give you a little bit of an insight before the very, very, very special, very secret guest. Um, oh, into, secret now, not uh, special. Okay. No, dangerous. Shh. Dangerous. Shh. Dangerous. Shh. Shush. Shush, you're going to ruin it. Um, and we, we're going to give you an insight into our social life as well, oh, right? God. Because what did we do? What did I take you to last week, Ben? Well, it was a hip-hop happening party with lots and lots of fancy It was like fancy dress for adults, basically. <laughs> so what my, what my, what my colleague, um, Becky Penkard, is referring to is the new Freeman's Dinner of the Worshipful Company of Information Technologists. Um, and for those of you who don't know, and there will be plenty of you who don't know anything about um, the London Livery Company. So cool. Um, you can be you can be forgiven for not knowing about them. I know about them because I went to school in the UK and I learned all about Dick Whittington and his cat. Um, but basically, in the 14th century, merchants and traders set up these livery companies, these guilds, to promote and protect their trade in the city of London and to educate apprentices in their crafts, to support good causes, etc. Um, 
that's where we get, you know, companies like the Merchant Tailors and the um, Apothecaries. The, haber- the Haberdashers. Um, Don't forget those guys. The Haberdashers, the Goldsmiths. And the dinner was at Goldsmiths Hall, wasn't it? And they have some very, very fancy oh, crockery it was amazing. In, in Goldsmiths Hall. So amazing. Um, so I've been a member of this um, livery company, the WCIT, which strangely enough, uh, the information technologist company does not date back to the 14th century. Um, it's one of the newer um, livery companies. They've been around since 1987, granted Royal Charter in 2010, so very, very recent. Um, actually, um, one of their chief supporters is um, Dame Stephanie Shirley, who should be everybody's uh, favourite uh, female role model in information technology. Um, and, they're, you know, Bill Gates, Tim Berners-Lee are members, etc. cetera. Um, I've been a member for just under a year, but I hadn't done my official um, declaration of allegiance to the Queen and to the company. So against my better judgment, Beck, I invited you along. Well, I still don't understand what makes you say that. I mean, I was well-dressed. I was perfectly spoken. I didn't spill a single thing. And I was very polite to the people all around me. You were, actually. And you did very, very well at the um, pantomime bits, didn't you? <laughs> what, was it, the, um, what was the thing we had to pass around and do the bobbing up and down and the drinking and the... <laughs> We had the ceremony of the loving cup. Uh, yes, yes, right? yes, yes. Which kind of sounds worse than it is, really, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit, a little bit fruity. <laughs> um, but the ceremony of the loving cup, where you have to, it's it's where the the origin of the phrase "I've got your back" comes from, um, is that when somebody's drinking from a cup of wine, their back is protected by a friendly person, by an ally, so that they don't get stabbed in the back. Well, and this way you never have to drink alone. So, you know, there's that as well. It's, 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 it's very sociable. Um, and, yeah, and, and one of the main activities of, of the company is to raise money for good causes, but also um, support apprentices in IT, promote IT, promote, and cybersecurity is, of course, a big part of that. Um, but it was just to explain, if you saw some photos of us, Looking a bit fancier than normal. Well, I know you you dress like that all the well, time, but we know. only on Fridays. But yeah, I don't always <laughs> dress like a big raspberry bat. But on this particular occasion, I thought I would make you an looked perfectly glorious. There were absolutely no raspberry bats in in show at all. <laughs> Bless you. Um, and thank you ever so much for coordinating your bow tie with my wow. outfit. I thought that was it was incredibly organized it was the least that i could do for our picture i mean we knew that it was going to go places so (laughs) well look crashing on um and waiting very very patiently well she's probably gone to sleep um, now to be fair in the podcast wings is hang on oh yes 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 (laughs) stepping up very dangerous very dangerous, Emily. <laughs> do, 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 do. Stepping onto Hi. the pitcher's mound. <laughs> so, Emily, how will people know you um, otherwise? Because we've just christened you very dangerous, Emily, because that's what came up Which, on our Zencaster app. Yeah, that's because that's what I put in because I had to refresh it several times with the uh, cautions that I was throwing off. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I sound very dangerous now. So there we go. Very, very dangerous, Emily. I'm actually otherwise known as Records Management Girl or RM Girl for short. Um, 
Um, but my actual name is Emily Overton, um, or the redhead, or Oi, or <laughs> RM Dog's mum. Is is now a good um, time to tell you that I literally spent about six months um, following you and you know basically chit chatting back and forth a bit on Twitter, thinking that your name was Rim Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means for the dog, Emily. I don't know what that means for um, the dog. I do have a story about that, but I don't think it's very good for this recording. I'll have to tell you afterwards. We'll share that later. <laughs> the kids are listening. The kids, the kids are, are listening. listening, yes. It's, uh, it's it, not a good one. I'll have to share it with you later. And n- n- none were happier than I to discover I was wrong. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> But yes, basically, is that I'm fundamentally a very sad person um, because I really enjoy records management. Oh, that's not sad at all. Are you kidding me? I follow you because I get some of the most amazing insight and, and advice and indeed guidance from the stuff that you post and share. So that's a complete falsehood. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and so I'm going to ask the serious question, if you don't mind. Um, very dangerous, Emily. Um, and that is... Um, records management and information security, what's the relationship? So at the end of the day, records management is is basically also known as records and information management. And so you guys in the InfoSec field are, in essence, protecting what I'm managing. So is it basically um, da- it's data, it's like data management? Same thing as, mm, as not not quite because data management. Becky's about, the witness. <laughs> yeah, the, the data management is people think of when people think of data management, they think of noughts and ones and lots of big data and dark data um, going into uh, lots of fields, black box kind of stuff. Um, whereas this is more about um, well, if, if it helps, is that so? There's a standard out there called ISO one five four eight nine. Um, which is the defining standard for records management. And it basically states that um, the field of management responsible for the efficient and systematic control of the creation, receipt, maintenance, use, and disposition of records, including the processes processes for capturing and maintaining evidence and information about business activities and transactions in the form of records. Do you find that there are more verticals that that you're drawn to or that are drawn to, indeed, records management? Because I have to say, in my time in information security, I've not been exposed to it to a large degree. So some of the things that are most popular that people are aware of with records management is to, to do with things of, well, how long do I keep this? Mm. <laughs> I didn't mean, I absolutely didn't mean to do that. Do you know what? Do you know what? I was getting ready to say something then. And, and at no point did I want to introduce my intervention in that fashion. So if you don't mind, I'm, ju- I'm just going to, I'm going to bluff my way through this and pretend that never happened. And I'm a professional sound engineer. So, so, Emily, now this is interesting to me because I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write this one out. This is dangerous. This is dangerous to me. This is interesting to me because um, I used to be mm-hmm. in the police, yes. right? Um, and I wasn't, a, I wasn't a police officer, but I was um, an intelligence analyst on various teams in the police. 
And we used to have to go through a very, very formal process because obviously you're not supposed to keep um, people's personal data in relation to criminal offences unless you have a very good reason to, right? Um, but but the, the thrust of this changed in the time that I was in law enforcement because it used to be that unless you were convicted of a criminal offence, we couldn't keep data on you. We couldn't keep intelligence on you unless you were actually a person of interest. Um, and so um, going back to the yeah. Soham case, the, the murders of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman, you know, 15 years ago, um, the, it, that was a very, very famous case because Ian Huntley, the guy that went down for, uh, who was convicted of their murders, um, had previously been arrested. Yeah. This, this, is one of, offense, this is actually one of the, um, the the root causes of record. Uh, so the root causes of of issues that come up in the press. I actually talk about so murders quite a bit. Do you want to know a bit more? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd be more than happy to get your take on it. Yeah, because I think because we saw a, an actual step change in the way that the police you know, collected data, but then weeded data as well, which kind of spoke to your point about yeah. how long you keep So the step change well. that you're talking about is the introduction of MOPI, Management of Police Information. Um, and that was brought in as a result of the Bichard inquiry, um, which mm. basically was, it was, it was an outcome that was required, is that we had to manage police information a lot better. Oh, I've got hiccups now, great. <laughs> um, and um, basically what happened... Um, to try and cut a very, very sad story down. And obviously, if any of the listeners would like to talk to me about this in more detail, because it is quite a distressing case, um, is yeah. that um, Huntley was known to Humberside Police as an offender. He moved to Cambridgeshire, um, and that's where he got the job as a caretaker in the school. At the point of which he got the job in the caretaker, there was no... Um, CRB checks or the what's it now called? Um, what's CRB been replaced oh, by? I've, I've, yes, I've got one. That's yeah. awful, isn't it? Yeah, but but what's the, the criminal record? There was no check. nationwide yeah. criminal records checks happening, or at least they were happening in silos. So one of the things that came out of it was that um, information sharing had to be better, and that's where the National Police Database, the M NPD. Um, came from um, is that they were now sharing across the nation all this information. Um, it comes to the point where Humberside actually destroyed the records long before they should have done. Um, the uh, retention of, of that kind of record is uh, the life of the person plus six years. Um, and it's almost like when you don't have any records, like when you destroy your records too soon, it's almost like you didn't have them at all. When we think about records management impacting on people's safety, I mean, that's a really, really good example. Um, then when we move to a corporate environment, for instance, um, how do you see records management? How, how can we um, raise the awareness, if you like, that this is an important discipline, perhaps over and above or to complement information security? Um, so... In terms of a corporate environment, the kind of things that records management tends to support are the corporate side of it's, it, they, it's very well known as the red tape. It's more than just filing, though. Um, it's so whenever I explain records management to people, I explain it in a linear concept, 
where you have the creation, the use, the storage, the review, and then the disposition. And these five stages are points at which you have the ability to intervene. intervene. Um, and so during the creation side of things is making sure that you have the what, the why, the when, the where, the how of records so that you have a full full record so that there's no question about what has happened um, or what has been done. Um, there's the uh, like the use of it and the storage side of things. You have your availability um, and actually being able to access it. So there's a mix there with um, information security. It's actually just being able to access the information uh, any, in, any, in any case is that can you get access to the storage? Where is it being stored? Is it being backed up? Um, and whereabouts actually is it being stored? Is it being stored in the cloud? Um, is it being stored on an unencrypted laptop? Is it being stored on a pen drive that's been that's out there in the ether? Um, you know, is it physical security? Um, there's also the, as I say, the CRB of the human, the HR people um, when you come to work for an organisation. So, are you likely to be a insider threat? Um, to an organization um gosh there's so many things that i'm trying to think where information security kind of dips in and out well um, I just, you actually made me think of another question emily so do you find that records management often sits under a certain executive within an either an information security part of the organization or even maybe like under the cdo like a chief data officer or where do you find that it most often sits in your experience so records management usually fits under the the term the umbrella term information governance. Oh, okay. Um, so it sits with your compliance teams, your data protection, your freedom of information, your environmental information regulations, your corporate governance, your risk management, your all those kind of places. Yeah, that makes sense. But, what, it, sorry, I was just going to say it's so interesting to me as well because a lot of times what you find is is in, in well I don't you tell me what you find but <laughs> what I've seen is companies seem to just take so many different approaches to how they set those parts of the organization up. So you know I've seen where you do have a CDO, uh, you could have a DPO as well, so a data privacy officer. Um, you know, they might sit together, like you said, with compliance. Compliance could be completely separate. You could have risk completely separate. I guess, do you, in your experience, do you find that I've seen that it where I've sat in IT before. Oh, wow, um, really? When I, when I worked in the civil service, I sat in IT. Um, I was the only girl in the team. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what's um, your preference on where it should fit? What, what seems to make the most sense to you? Um, it fits more in information governance, but not every organization has a big enough team to have an information governance team or an information governance manager. So you tend to find is that there is cross crossing over. So I, when I was in civil service, I deputized for the IT manager and for the data protection officer. Um, is that we worked in a triangle, basically. Mm -hmm. And it worked that if there was a data breach, for example, and it was IT-based, then me and the IT manager would talk. Um, if it was a data breach, both IT and it included personal data, all three of us would be involved. Right. Um, right. If it was a physical IT, uh, sorry, physical data breach, then it would be me and the, da the data protection officer. Um, so basically, we kind of like 
we, there was always two of us working because I was involved in all of them because it was all records. Yes. So yeah. regardless of whether it was personal data or not, and whether it was electronic or physical, I was involved. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't personal data, one wasn't involved, it wasn't IT, the other wasn't involved, and so on and so forth. So we, yeah, we um, we worked as a team and, and, and had some very sleepless nights. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. It's like incident response, but for, um, yeah, records management geeks. And you know what what that says to me from what you were saying, Emily, it's a fantastic example of how all of these disciplines need to work together. And it strikes me that what we see time and again, um, where there are large scale breaches or mishandling of um, breaches or just other failures, process failures, it's where um, an organization doesn't understand that um, records management, data protection and privacy, information security, physical security and and other functions absolutely have to have sight on each other's work and have to be able to work together on a regular basis so that when the proverbial hits the fan, as it will inevitably do, all these people know each other. And, 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 you know, what I think we've all seen time and again in organisations is that you know, sometimes we can suffer from um, territorialism that pre- prevents all of those functions working together in the way that they really need to. So, um, an, an interesting one is that I used to obviously get involved in um, doing the uh, future proofing and trying to stop if, um, issues happening. So, we brought in a physical pen tester, kind of to to try and uh, abate some of the things that were going on. Um, and I just, as, since I've been self-employed, um, I've obviously brought certain different people in when I've gone into organizations. And um, it was interesting how people react to this kind of situation. Um, they had some booths that fit, fit, uh, that fit six people. And this pen tester managed to sit in with this booth and nobody questioned who he was. What are you serious? A six-person booth and six-person booth in, and, and no they sat in. Yep. There. Oh my gosh, that's so, that's so and, and that is yeah. and Beck, Beck, that is the classic British awkwardness of. Well, I'm not yeah. going to challenge him. Yeah. Are you going to you challenge him? I don't want to embarrass everybody. You're a hundred percent true because I would be rocking up to that, and my I would be going, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know Beck. We I mean, know. this guy was this um, guy was but, quite tall and broad, and so he actually got into the building by going stop, hold the door, and nobody actually questioned him because it was you know this big tall burly guy. <laughs> oh my gosh! But also, some of the best ones that I've heard of, I can think of one particular example. Again, the kind of physical security tester. You go and stand out by the um, emergency exit where everybody pops out for their yes, fag breaks, yeah. and that's what. And you and you don't look like a big burly guy. You look like you know the the little nerd, and you just go, "Oh hi," mm. and then and then you're in. And I'm not I'm not very good at social engineering because I'm a bit too conspicuous. <laughs> my other one's the my, yeah, my, my other tip is the being a pregnant woman, um, hold, holding a box. Oh right, and oh, yeah, someone yeah. offers to open the door for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I just I just Sneaky. go OTT polite and, um, you know, walk up behind someone who's opening the door and then go, oh, my gosh, let me get that for you. And then I just talk in my most American accent ever and start asking them lots of questions and then just walk in with them. <laughs> oh, so you're doing like the dumb tourist routine or something. Yeah, pretty that? much. It works like a charm. It's great, though, because then when we go to the States, I get my wife to play that bit. So she does all the Englishy bits and everyone's just like, oh, your accent's so cute. <laughs> oh my word. So, so Emily, I have another semi-serious question, but only semi-serious. So I, one of the things I get involved in is um, oral history, right? So I do my folk music thingy, which we don't like to talk about because it's not my, it's not the professional me, it's the, it's the off-duty me. But one of the reasons I do it is because I'm really, really interested in the transmission of history and collective memory, right? And it, and one of the things, you know, when when I first, you know, got to hear about you, and I thought, oh, she's she's a records management nut. What is all that about? You know, is that are you also about preserving the collective memory of an organisation in a sense? For the record, that, for the record, that right, is not how we talked about you, Emily. <laughs> you no, know, no, we did. No, we did. Being a nut is a good thing. This is, been, you've lost you've lost the transatlantic idiom here. Mate. I've heard myself called many things, but not was not one of them. Um. Oh well, now, now you have, and and it's meant entirely positive. Oh, yeah. um, so, so, yeah, so basically, is one of the one of the requirements. So, like, one of the things you do as a records manager is you converse with archives. Um, now, one, the difference between a records manager and an archivist is that records managers like to keep things, archivists like to chuck things away. Um, <laughs> and oh, I, thought, I thought it might be the other way around. In all seriousness, I thought no, it might not, be the other way around. No, not at all. But this is excellent. The, re the reason for that is because most people look at something and go, that's old, archives must be interested in it. Oh, that big, heavy, so fusty book are like, must be. Right. So they're, yeah. they're the Marie Kondo of it is what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like, does this bring you happiness? <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, That's a reference that won't mean anything in five years' time when the listeners of the future are coming back to um, us. So does this spark joy? That's it, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> if, if fold it into a packet-sized, you know, little box and put it in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. So, if you imagine an archivist has to keep the memory um, of, of very important events, so you know they don't want this big hefty book taking up their space if it's got no particular interest or or, or value to it. So they obviously have right. to be very, okay, so very picky it. about what they keep. So you don't just take anything in. Um, now, I'm not a qualified archivist. I bow to my my colleagues in the field. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm actually allergic to dust. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That I'm is a, brilliant. a record manager allergic to dust. Yep, yep. Um, and so, so I do wear cardigans every so often. So, yeah, I do, that's, my, that's about as far as my archivist, my inner archivist goes. I'm I'm all for a cardigan. Yeah. I am all for a cardigan. Uh, <laughs> and I have been known to hold a clipboard, but I think that's that's not that's not really 
archivist kind of thing. I think I, I, there'll be quite a few archivists looking at me with funny looks um, or, or daggers, at least. Um, so, yes, is that I, um, I'm not an archivist. And that's the difference between us is that we work together on these kind of situations because what an archivist actually gets involved in is with things like the retention schedules because they want to be at the forefront. All too often, archivists are left right until the very end of a life cycle and people kind of proffer these like dusty, old, tattered-looking things and they go, well, now you tell us. Um, and um, so they should actually be involved in the retention side of things so they know what's going to be coming to them so they can keep an eye out almost um, and make sure that they are protected um, and that way they don't end up with loads of rubbish that they've got to search, search through. Um, got it. And yeah, so that, that, that's, that makes sense to me actually. And, um, it, it appeals to, I, I really, I'm not allergic to dust. I actually really, really like it. Um, <laughs> as, as if you could see my bathroom right now, you would, uh, you would also be able to attest. Um, Becky, are but, you allergic um, to dust or so, not so allergic that, to dust? I, I, think it's I, 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 don't, I don't think I have any problems with dust. I mean, I generally like to get rid of it, but if that counts for anything. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we're not a scientific sample. So if any anyone is planning to do some social science or biomedical research off the basis <clears throat> of this podcast, you know, this is this is not a, a, a representative <laughs> scientific sample of, of even three people, yeah, quite the frankly. The two redheads and the American, yep. <laughs> yeah exactly oh interesting interesting of the two redheads one is allergic to dust the other isn't what does it mean <laughs> one of you is a fake redhead admit it <laughs> at, at least one of us is a fake redhead My, mine's, out, mine's out the bottle um, so I don't know about you <laughs> yes, ex- yes exactly exactly um so so if we if we're thinking about the relevance of um, records management to information security so I am an I am an infosec person I'm only an infosec person I am listening to this podcast what do you want to get across Emily to infosec people about records management if people are doing records management properly um, the chances of having such huge data bre- breaches are a lot less, a lot fewer, less fewer, whichever, um, than what they currently are. Because what you tend to find is that InfoSec people are having to protect a hell of a lot of information um, that's actually out of date. Mm. And um, if if we are looking after our information appropriately and we are weeding through it and getting rid of stuff – things that like accidents where someone drags and drops a whole folder of stuff onto an email are less likely to happen now they might still drag and drop the folder onto an email but there'll be less stuff in it right so it's reducing the yes. attack surface oh, yes. there's less there's, there's less oh. to breach beautiful that was beautiful reducing the attack Do you like that how was I said gorgeous that? reducing the attack surface using yeah. records management i think you've just titled the podcast yeah <laughs> oh yeah all right we're always on the we're always on the lookout for a good title that's that's it um and um so right so this is good because there's this value in this it ties in with um obviously the gdpr side of things where everybody's 
everybody's freaking out thinking they've got to move the entire earth. They haven't. They've just got to apply basic digital and data hygiene. And this ties in very much with that, which is, do you need this? Mm, if you don't need it, don't keep it. If you do need it, you know, you've got the you've got the GDPR side to say, well, we need to keep this for business purposes and, you know, A, B, C, D, E and F and all the various articles. Can I ask articles. a question back to you? Um, Mm. Back to you, both. Go for Would it. you say that a lot of information security sits in IT? So, Beck, you answer first, and I'll answer second when I've had extra time to think about it. <laughs> you know, my answer for these types of things is always, it depends. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Standard, standard information governance answer. It well, depends. Right. Well, standard information security answer as well. Um, it really does depend. I mean, it depends upon the size of the organization. It depends upon how mature the organization is. It depends upon, you know, the needs of the organization, you know, whether they need them to be tightly knit, whether they're using one to act as um, checks and balances for the other. So I think there are definitely those sort of dependencies. Um, I, uh, Vic, do you want to add anything into that? It's not very clear or concise, but yeah, I mean it's it's the same it's the same but different. Which is that actually it doesn't matter where it sits as long as it has been clearly thought through. Someone's actually sat down and thought, where shall we put this and why, and gone through an exercise of of building a rationale for where you locate it. Um, and and making sure that um, InfoSec is connected with all of the other functions that it needs to be connected with. So actually where you locate it, whether it's under a CIO, whether it's under a CTO, whether it's under a CSO, as in some organisations. No, it doesn't work. Yeah, so so quite quite often, obviously, inf information security, the CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, will be under the Chief Information Officer. Sometimes they'll be under the Chief Technology Officer. Um, as it was in Facebook, they were under the Chief Security the Officer. Oh, oh, the Chief Operating um, Officer. COO. Um, so in a way, it doesn't matter who you report into. Um, what matters is the information flow. And one of the things that, that you know we consider quite a lot and, and I get involved in on the corporate side is looking at how information security has access to board decisions, mm. for instance. Do chief information security officers get to brief the board? You know, do they get any further than um, the, the management above them. And if they're C-level, if they're chief officer level, they get more access um, to the board. They get more access to um, the senior level decision making. And that's the important thing, I think. It's not, even, it's not even so much where it sits. It's more how much of a priority is information security, data protection, records management within the organisation. The more that's prioritised, the more everybody's going to be working to um, keep all yeah, of those healthy. I would agree. Well, the, the reason why I asked the question um, was in relation to a lot of the time IT-related issues come up against records management. So they all too often things get put on uh, a backup of a backup of a backup or they get stubbed or they get like records get shoved onto um, external stuff because it's not being accessed and things like that rather than dealing with the problem the fact the servers are going to fall over um so it. it's right. that kind of like it, it all needs everyone needs to be working together to say look we need to sort this out um 
Uh, and yeah, I mean that that sounds like that sounds like um, in that kind of organization, you kind of need a data task force. That's what I would be looking at is is swarming some of those groups together to say, right, we have an issue. How are we going to solve this issue? Who's going to do what? Right, you can do that. You can do this. Uh, let's meet next week and see what well, we They're going to need matching T-shirts at a minimum. I mean, if they're a task force. They're going to need matching T-shirts. <laughs> they're going to need FBI-style <laughs> baseball caps. Um, and, and bear in mind, you know, one of the reasons why um, I'm an independent researcher is because I am a ridiculous idealist. And I've just described a situation that many organizations would say is impractical. It wouldn't work within their hierarchies, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're looking for the, the gold standard of how we fix this or, or that kind of pressing situation where things are being stored on, you know, external hard drives in um, in somebody's glove box in their car, because you know, and the, you know, we all know how things get left on trains and things get, um, you know, laptops get stolen, etc. Um, you know, we're, if we are creating those vulnerabilities um, because of a fallover in our IT processes and our and our hardware, then that's where you really do need a, a bunch of people to come together and say, right problem solve this, cost it out, tell us when you're going to deliver. Um, and quite frankly, if I was a CEO, I'd be, you know, pushing people to yeah, get their fingers Yeah, but you know what out. I really uh, – uh, so the takeaway for me out of this conversation, uh, interestingly enough, is this whole concept around better control of records – equals, you know, better security in terms of data breach, um, I guess, possibility. And that to me is a very sort of easy story to put together. Maybe it's just my tiny brain makes sense of it, but it's a very easy story to put together. And it makes it from that perspective, it makes it an easier sell in the organization, especially when you look at, you know, how hot everyone is right now on, um, you know, data egressing organizations. I mean, you know, look at where ransomware yeah. has taken us, yeah. you know, we're now looking at, um, data being utilized as a weapon against companies, their own data being utilized as a weapon against companies, you know, hey, pay us or we're going to start leaking what we've stolen from you. Um, a, a lot of the the, um, the poor folks at TravelX and everything that they've been through recently is the most uh, recent example mm -hmm. still, I think. Um, but yeah, so that that's a really great story for me. The other thing that I'll leave just, you know, listeners with as well, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say and admit, is the fact that while I know about records management at a very high level, you know, here I am 23, almost 24 years in the business, I've never had to properly dive deep into it. And it is such a critical part of what we do. And so I just, yeah, Emily, I, I so appreciate your time. And again, I so appreciate what you do and what you share on Twitter for that reason, because it helps me to stay educated around such an important topic. And it is important, I think, for security people to dip into things like this, even though, you know, we may feel like, well, how does it fit for us? Where does it fit? So yeah, it's been a very helpful conversation. I really appreciate it. I think the the only other thing that I would like to leave on really is that um, when it comes to people attacking your organization, they're attacking you for information. Yes. At the end of the day, yeah. other than obviously the the blackmailing to get money um, or something like that, whatever they get out of you generally is information. Information is knowledge. Knowledge is power. And as you were saying, you know, reducing, as we were saying, I, I, I might try, I might uh, copyright this myself, um, reducing your attack surface 
can only be a good yeah. thing, can't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, definitely keen for anybody that listens to the podcast as we uh, get it stuck out there after Vic does her magic on the auto engineering side. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. We're going to need some more sounds. You're going to have to inject some more sounds, Vic. <laughs> oh, hang on a second. <laughs> Perfect. Um- there was the, I was saving that for when we cracked a joke, but then I kind of I got a bit, I was having too much fun. I was being I was being infotained. And if I anyone would like to get in contact with me to talk more about records management because they're nerdy enough to get involved with it more, they can find me on Twitter as at rmgirluk or um, www.rmgirl.co.uk. Um, basically, come and come and take ooh, me I out. Oh, I have a final ooh, question. Ooh, ooh. I have a final question. What what does it take to be an RM dog? <laughs> how how RM is the dog? Um, well, believe it or not, his name's actually Rolo, um, and um, he's a boxer Aww. dog. And for a long time, people actually thought I was sad enough to call my dog his actual name being RM Dog, and I was like, no, his name's <laughs> Rolo. <laughs> Imagine shouting that yeah, in the park. Um, <laughs> hey, I've heard it's worse. Little, I've heard little worse. cotton socks. He's, he's, he's just come in. He's just been sat with me, looking at me, and I'm not able to talk to him or pet him. And he's just looking at me, and I, and um, I, I've had to let him out, bless him, because he was just kind of like oh, no I, attention. Oh, is he not? Is he is he not in there at the moment? Because otherwise, I'm <laughs> yeah, no, he's, got, he's, he's gone out now, and and he wouldn't hear you. I heard to say if he's been sat beside you this whole time, he's been very good because the dog I used to have would have barked. Oh, and the, yeah. Oh no, he's, he's. This is the first for me. We've had this is the first time we've had a dog on a podcast. I'm really. This is a landmark. Yeah. For me. It's, it's just a, a really funny one for you there is that. Um, so quite often with conference calls or like video calls, um, you tend to get various different animals walking across or children in the background or something like that. Um, I actually, so I'm a student at University of Dundee doing my master's in information records management because yeah, I did say I was sad. Um, and um, That sounds, no, that sounds when, excellent. That when I did my interview for them, I actually, so I'm, I'm from Lincoln originally. I'm living in London right now. But um, when I was living in Lincoln, um, my house that I own is on RAF Scampton base. Um, and that's actually where the home of the Red Arrows is. Wow. And during the, inter- <laughs> during the interview, usually the lads, they take off and they fly over the seas and they do all their aerobatics um, over the sea because they don't want anyone else to see what they're doing in their new performances. But this particular day, lucky me on my interview for university, they stayed over the top of the base and did all the acrobatics. And so uh, my um, now tutors or professors at university were watching a, um, a, a sky show put on just for them for my interview. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's absolutely hey. brilliant. <laughs> I got to use the drums in the in a sensible place. So and, and so, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Very dangerous, Emily. Oh, thanks so much for joining us, Emily. Really, really appreciate your time. And yeah, thanks for educating us uh, around records management. Thanks very much. And thanks everyone for listening. And um, we will catch you next time. See Bye ya. Now. Bye. Bye.